And now, live from the TSC Towers, it's the UK's number one pro wrestling radio show, The Squared Circle, with Lee Tires and Andy Evans. Hey, this is Kip James. This is Rhino from TNA Wrestling. Hey, everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the main dollar man. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Cole from Friday Night SmackDown. Hey, this is Chris Jericho, the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. This is the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. This is Teddy Baby hottest diva, Hannah Cassell. This is the phenomenal one, AJ South. This is Sonny, the original diva of the WWE. It's time to step into the squared circle and get it done. This is the legend killer, Randy Orton. You're listening to the squared circle. All right, we are live. It's TSC, the Squared Circle. Andy here, not joined by Sam, but joined by the man who tells it like it is from the good old days. It's Lee Tires. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. I haven't heard that intro in a while. <laughs> I know that took a bit of editing. It's like trying to pass that one. <laughs> I did. I did say before we went on air we were going to go a little old school. What well, do you know? Intro. What. I mean, I'm going to chuck this in as we're doing the nostalgia trip at the moment. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at, uh, what is it, 18 years uh, since the passing of Eddie Guerrero, which we're going to talk about uh, very you know, later on in the show. But 18 years to the day, it was the day Eddie Guerrero passed. I did my first ever wrestling radio show. Bloody <laughs> hell, you did, didn't you? So, because I, you know, nervous as anything, uh, no plan or anything, and was just going to stumble through something on my own. And um, then wow eddie guerrero died i've got to talk about that now and that was you know baptism of fire but uh yeah weird coincidence but it's great to be back it's great to hear the old memories and like just remembering some of the people we interviewed back then that i'd completely forgot about candace michelle wwe's hottest eva yeah (laughs) one person on there that maybe is not in the limelight as much and we're going to touch on sunny a little bit later on but she's in there but do you know when like when you and I started talking again a couple of years ago, uh, you sent me all the audio files. We did something like 150 interviews yeah, yeah. in the original run. And that's just the ones that we have. Yes. You know, I mean, there were, there were Bobby Heenan. Yeah. yeah, Bobby Heenan. I had the I used to have the audio for and and you know, if any of you have sort of had multiple computers and and like hard drives and things over the course of the years, you know, stuff inevitably gets lost. Bobby Heenan, uh, Devon Dudley, I remember was one that was really good. Um, I mean, some of them from that era we've still got. Others have kind of fallen by the wayside. The, the Bobby Heenan one, though, I am absolutely gutted that we haven't got because that was uh, that was great and he's such a nice guy i always knew he would be because of the stories you hear everyone saying about him but he's he's phenomenal it's a bit like with tws i did bruno sammartino wow it was about 17 minutes i got to- you know like you know when we do ddp yeah <laughs> you've got 10 minutes and then about two hours later you come back and he's still answering the first question <laughs> bruno was like that i got told by his agent you've got 15 minutes with bruno sammartino to promote the book and literally about 70 minutes later we were wrapping up the interview it was oh it was brilliant but we lost it yeah you know, tsc tws team yeah. lost it that was unbelievable unbelievable but here he is the man who tells it like it is lee wow. welcome back to TSC, the show that you actually created. You Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a name from the past as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that picture is is pretty good. Um, you know, got more hair in that picture than I have at the moment, but it's growing <laughs> back. It's getting there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'll, I'll 
you know, for people that are wondering and, and haven't heard from me in, in other uh, avenues, I will cover it off. Um, you may have seen some stuff. I was quite unwell earlier in the year. I uh, got diagnosed with cancer. I had to go through th- some intensive chemo. Andy, um, of course, is I was right there by my side, not physically, but virtually checking in all the time, um, which was an enormous help. So publicly, thank you, Andy, for um you know being with me there and and, uh rooting me along lost all the hair put on shed loads of weight and was very very poorly for a while but i'm back um i'm here all the um after effects are pretty much gone now which is cool so uh yeah it's good to be back on air mate you're looking good and you know there's no need to ever publicly thank me you're 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 more like my brother than you are a friend so of course you would do anything you can but that's anyway it's good to see you let's talk about people fighting (laughs) yes in spandex (laughs) <laughs> in... yeah let's do it right if you want to get <laughs> we haven't lost a beat here have we no, if you want to get in contact with us uh you can do via social media it's down the bottom of the screen facebook instagram twitch youtube instagram and x formerly known as twitter still can't get used to that um <laughs> at tsc wrestling pod using the hashtag tsc pod or if you want to do it the old-fashioned way and you want to drop us an email you can do studio at squared circle podcast com and if you want to keep up to date with what lee's doing back in the world of podcasting uh then you can check it out by going to where uh you can check it out by going to if you go to uh, youtube we're shuffling around uh website addresses at the moment but go to youtube search for pirate cast or pirate cast live we go uh by there um it's a semi-regular or for obvious reasons i haven't been very regular with the show this year but in the process of Uh, reshuffling things and putting together a new plan for 2024, how it's going to work. It's not a big global thing. It's a show dedicated to the Pool Pirate Speedway team down here on the south coast of the UK. Um, If you're into that sort of thing, come and check us out. It's a cracking show. We've uh, got a link to it on our YouTube channel, so you can click on that and go directly to Pirate Cast. All right, buddy, what we got coming up uh, this week on TS? See, we of course have got TSE talking point on Eddie Guerrero. We're going to go ask Chat GPT as well. We're going to ask Chat GPT to give us five questions uh, on anything wow. professional wrestling, uh, any era, any promotion, any time, any topic, and we will do that as we're taping. Um, wow. Haven't run it yet. Don't know what the <laughs> questions are going to be. <laughs> Ed, uh, we will answer them live. We've done this once before, it really worked. Okay, we'll give it a go. I'm looking forward to that. See what happens. It's going to be good. Okay, we've also got wrestling history, which is your favorite segment and mine Lovely as well. Yep. And we've got some crackers coming up for you in wrestling history <laughs> this week. But we are, of course, going to kick it off with the news roundup of the week. Yes, it's back. <laughs> Don't forget. <laughs> Tickets on sale December 1st at ticketmaster.co.uk forward slash AEW Wembley 2024 for All in London 2. Are you going? I am definitely going. Um, a word out there to listeners, make sure you have pre-registered as well because you do get a couple of days in advance, or we did last time at least, get a couple of days in advance uh, notification and uh, managed to get in there for some of the early bird tickets. I know 90% of people upgraded tickets close to the time yeah. anyway, but if you're one of those people that's proper anal about it and needs to get in there absolutely first, make sure you register. Uh, if you went last year, you should have had an email as well telling you to pre-register for tickets. So that just gives you the best opportunity to get the tickets you want. That's my dilemma this year because, you know, we did that. I, I booked the tickets and then, as I said to you, upgraded about a week or 10 days before mm. All In 
to you know about row 100 or row 200 or something for the same price and yeah. it was like they're thinking why why would you buy the tickets this early i suppose yeah you... i mean so again you, you're thinking it's going to be the the biggest event in wrestling history and you know it's going to be a sellout within 24 hours or something you just dive in and you get any ticket you can i, I you know i left with you know i was watching twitter and people saying i can't get on i can't get on it's it's breaking Ticketmaster and all of this you just dive in and i felt fortunate to get any tickets mm. i left there with me i think and originally two 22 quid tickets thinking thank god i've got something um and of course as, as we later found out you know there were lots of sections that weren't on sale yet and you know free upgrade or not free upgrades essentially free upgrades uh but you could upgrade your seat so um yeah it'd be interesting to see if it does the same this time just before we move on because you know you haven't done tsc since it's come back and it's been a while now you know you with the story about you going with your dad to wembley back in august of 1992 for SummerSlam, you've now taken your son to wembley for a wrestling event what was that like um walking into the gates of the new wembley stadium 31 years later a bit surreal to be honest i mean i've, I've been to wembley um a few times sort of since uh, SummerSlam 92 uh it was the i went there and saw bon jovi in 1995 and then again in 2000 and i think both of those were in the old version of Wembley Stadium, and then of course it was uh, it was rebuilt, and I saw a couple of NFL or a few NFL games over the years at Wembley. So it was kind of familiar walking back in, but knowing that you were there for a wrestling event, and again the the very next wrestling event after SummerSlam '92, um, that was that was really something, and it, it felt really odd. I always assumed if they yeah if wrestling came back to Wembley Stadium, obviously it was going to be WWE. Of course it would be. You know who else could? You know TNA wasn't going to do it. It's ridiculous. There's no one possibly going to compete with WWE. It's got to be WWE. Um, but then you know as we found out, you know uh, the um, uh, Clash at the Castle. They went to Wales and did their big event there, which was a weird decision, especially seeing as that was 30 years exactly. Um, you know, from or in years wise, um, since SummerSlam '92, thought that would have been great to go back to yeah. uh, Wembley. But you know, fair play to them. Uh, AEW were there; they put on a hell of a show. Um, you know, I don't think you can really compare to the t uh, the two because back in '92, it was very much in the sort of cartoon era. You still had your Macho Man and your Ultimate Warrior, and yes, we had the Bret and, and Bulldog match, which was phenomenal, but you still had the Undertaker very much in full Dead Man character, and Kamala and Nails and people like that, whereas uh, All In was very much the the athleticism and the sort of, almost the New Japan style of, of wrestling on show. It wasn't all about the big stars, it was about the quality and the content that you were getting. And also the last stand of CM Punk. Well, exactly. Well, I mean, depends who you believe. Um, you know, is he coming back to AEW? Is he under the devil mask? Is he going to be at Survivor Series? Who knows? Or is he just going to disappear off into the sunset and we never see him again? Well, sometimes it's better the devil you know, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Another yeah, one in AEW. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <clears throat> we'll find out on Sunday. Right. <laughs> More on that coming up later. Right. Let's get to some news because uh, as we do, the biggest news story is coming out of the week and we're kicking it off with this one. Tammy Sitch former WWE Hall of Famer, uh, former WWE Superstar, current Hall of Famer, someone that you and I had on this show back in the original days, I think twice. When you say had, just interviewed, by the way, just to hey, clarify. Mate, mate, Missy Hyatt wanted you. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> and, and I think true. Tammy Stitch did to a degree. <laughs> 
You never know. Uh, She's going to be sentenced on 27th of November for multiple charges related to a fatal traffic incident in Florida back in March 22. The charges including DUI causing death, which is manslaughter, uh, causing death while operating a vehicle with suspended or revoked license, four counts of DUI, three counts of DUI causing property damage, all be stemming from the death of 75-year-old Julian Lasseter. Sentencing is scheduled for 9 a.m. on that day. Now, Tammy has entered a plea of nolo contendere. That's easier for me to say. That acknowledges... Yes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Acknowledging conviction without admitting fault or guilt. Um, The most severe charge, the DUI manslaughter, is third-degree felony in Florida, carrying a potential 15-year sentence with four-year minimum uh, and up to $10,000 in fines. She also faces sentencing for death while driving with a suspended or revoked license, which is 10 and a half years. So in total, she could face over 25 years of prison time. I mean, it's... When you think about that, you you can't quite put it into words. No, I mean, you talk about kind of your dark side of the ring cases, and this is it. it this is should be on the cover of every season of every DVD of that of that series. I mean, you can't get more uh, like from such a massive rise in 1996, 1997. She was up there, and the the audience that WWE was going for at the moment was the sort of the teen males. Um, she was. Uh, you know, uh, in a lot of instances, people didn't give a crap about the wrestling. They just wanted to see Sunny on the yeah. TV. She was, yeah. you know, front and center of everything that WWE was doing. She was on all the ads. She was absolutely everywhere. And then to come from that, uh, wasn't she the highest downloaded person on in AOL or something at one point? Yeah, she broke AOL um, at one point. I remember that new story coming out. Do you remember, you know, One Night Stand? I think it was in 1997 when they came over to uh, Birmingham and it was yeah. the first dive box office. And she That's came right. out to the ring, didn't do anything, just came out to the ring, rung, did, did the ring announcing and went to the back, but got one of the biggest pops from exactly. that crowd. Do you, do you think that, I mean, I've been thinking this for a while now, but not, not really discussed it. Do you think she got let down by pro wrestling? Because, you know, WWE have got the wellness policy and they do all this treatment and stuff like that. But mm. she obviously had the substance abuse issues back in Ohio Valley with, yeah. um, sorry, SMW with, yeah, with Jim Cornette. Yeah. Went to WWF. Obviously, Candido is a story that's been well documented on Dark Side of the Ring. She fell into that as well. ECW fell into that. WCW fell into that again. Back to WWE. Did pro wrestling let her down or is it? a case of you reap what you sow um a little bit of both i think i mean she had such a meteoric rise i mean she she came in as chris Dan- chris candido's girlfriend you know she didn't even want to be in wrestling she just turned up and uh was his um manager for a little while and then you know being at the absolute top from some of the people you you hear from again we've never met her personally we've interviewed her she seemed absolutely fine then but apparently it did go to her head a little bit and then when the the, the star starts to fall you know, again, maybe she had problems with that. And, and from what we understand after that, you know, she went back to ECW, which was a much smaller uh, pond um, and then got involved with a lot of the drink and the drugs and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, she, she's had some small highs and lows, some peaks and valleys since then. But, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame being one of the sort of highest um, uh, kind of peaks since then. But I don't really think she ever recovered from 
you know, having to deal with being on the top and, and then dropping and, and, you know, people manage things in very different ways. Um, I, and again, you know, the WWE, I mean, we'll talk about this with Eddie Guerrero, obviously the, the wellness policy, you know, that was really the catalyst for that, but people will only use that help if they admit they need the help. And I think Tammy is one of those people who is very confident in herself and no, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I'll get through it. Um, and just wouldn't we refuse to admit she had a problem and and um you know it's just spiraled down and down and down and and here we are but what about the hall of fame induction though because i mean it, it, they've obviously always said that benoit will never now not get inducted into the hall of fame because mm. of the double murder suicide back in the day there's been no <clears throat> sort of comment from wwe at all since yeah. this first broke back in back in march of 2022 which seems scary that it was over 18 months ago now that that it broke mm. on that it's that it happened um will they do you think revoke the hall of fame status for tammy sitch if she gets sentenced to this maximum prison time that they're talking about because surely tko are not going to want to be linked with someone like tammy sitch Exactly. I mean, the WWF that she was popular in is very different from the WWE and the TKO owned commodity now, World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they've got shareholders to answer to. It's a global brand and, and you can't, you know, WWE was big before, but what they're part of now is huge. Yeah. Um, I think they will very quietly remove her from the website, remove her from the Hall of Fame, if they haven't already. I mean, they just because they haven't announced it doesn't mean, you know, she might, I'll have a check in a minute when we're talking on the next news item and uh, see if she's on there. But again, yeah, it's it's a family sport or entertainment at least um we've been hit over the head with that so many times it can go pg it dips its toe in every so often but overall we're talking about a family product here uh, and kids that um they're trying to send out positive messages to and all that kind of stuff this is not the place for the tammy sitch that we're talking about now mm, no i totally agree i mean if, if when you talk about the highs and the lows and you talk about being the most downloaded in aol i mean she had it all and it's mm. such a shame to see that fall from grace especially when like you said earlier on, she was such a lovely person to speak to. I mean, I remember that interview was done in the back of the car yep. uh, on her boyfriend at the time, cell phone, and they were on their way to a to a convention and got lost. You know, yeah. Called, connected <laughs> halfway through and then we had to reconnect it. So, yeah, it's it's shame how it happens. But we're going to find out at the end of this month yeah. just what is next for the formerly artist, formerly known as Sunny in the WWE. Now, on to brighter news. Maxwell Jacob Friedman, the devil himself and the king of AEW, um, is involved in a new movie. And that film is Iron Claw, directed by Sean Durkin, released by the popular studio A24, is going to be released in theatres in the US and globally next month. Now, it tells the story of the Von Erichs and the triumph and tragedies that have plagued wrestling icons to this day. The AEW at the moment world champion plays the role of lance von eric but reveals in a new social media post that he's also an executive producer for the film he adds that iron claw is a masterpiece before reminding fans of his showdown with uh, jay white at full gear this weekend 27 year old executive producer for an a24 movie and a masterpiece by sean durkin proud is an understatement However, I don't have time to celebrate. I'm a man on an island surrounded by the enemy. And on November 18th will be my hardest obstacle yet. Let's go. Hashtag better than you. 
Are you looking forward to this film? Because personally, I cannot wait to see Iron Claw. I am very much looking forward to it. I mean, uh, when I heard someone as as popular as um, you know, red blooded males sort of tend to put their nose up at Zac Efron, but um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, he's been in some huge films, some massive films, and putting his name to something that was about wrestling. You know, it's still not thought of very highly in Hollywood, um, maybe more so now. It's got the the sort of um, uh, TKO uh, branding behind it, but uh, certainly WWE. But yeah, a wrestling film, and it, it looks very artistic. It looks mm. very genuine. Um, you know, the premiere. There's been lots of uh, positive feedback for it. I can't wait to see it. I mean, in the mainstream WWE and sort of WCW at the time, we only really saw Kerry Von Erich as uh, as um, you know a member of the Von Erich family to be put really in the limelight, and of course, um, world champion beating Ric Flair in the NWA. Um, certainly from a UK perspective, we didn't get to see a lot of that world-class Dallas stuff where the Von Erics are really dominant and they had that great feud with the Freebirds, which, you know, you've seen clips of, but, you know, from what you hear about it is absolutely legend- legendary and you could uh, probably produce a whole you know, documentary about just that one feud. So um, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be good. Zach Efron, I've seen some previews of it. I haven't seen it. Can't wait. Like you, can't wait to go see it. He looks the part. Yeah. He does, yeah, and the hair as well. Uh, yeah. Very much like Kevin Von Erich uh, back in the day. Yeah, absolutely looks the part. And of course, you can't talk about Zac Efron without talking about his most iconic film. You're but... not going to say High School. Oh, right. thank God you didn't say High School Musical. Oh, come on, <laughs> I've got kids. Yeah, you know, High School Musical is is uh, is big in my house. <laughs> I, I, I've got kids. We haven't got that far yet. <laughs> You'd realise, a bit of trivia, he didn't sing in the first High School Musical. No, no, I didn't realise that at all. But yeah, um, yeah fair enough. That's how you could tell it was so bad in the second one. <clears throat> Just uh, flicking back to our first news item, at the moment she is still currently in the WWE Hall of Fame. Sonny is still in there, but um, yeah, keep an eye out. Uh, I think that will change very, very soon. Anyway, back to anyway, Iron Claw. Back to Iron Claw. Can't wait to see this film. It's going to be great. Fact, maybe we should do a meet-up and you and I will go see Iron Claw. That would be brilliant. I'd love to do that. Love to do Let's that. Do that. Last time we did that was the A Team. My God, oh, what about Star Trek? When was Star Trek? We saw this first um, Chris Pine Star Trek. Was that before or after? No, we didn't. I was sure we did. Maybe we did. Maybe we did. That was I'm pretty sure we did. That was 2000. Yeah, we would have done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. So, yeah, Chris okay. Pine, Star Trek. <laughs> All right, nice memory. You caught me out there. Uh, one person who is not worried about their spot in professional wrestling is Cody Rose, mm. especially with the rumors that The Rock is returning at WrestleMania 40. Cody's basically turned around and said to Busted Open, nobody's asked me about The Rock. <laughs> mm. I think they've scared to ask me or they don't want to be rude. Yeah, I mean, it's... After all the hype that happened, well, say a year ago, but uh, WrestleMania just gone with with Cody not winning the title and and uh, you know not finishing the story, um, and to which uh, everyone sort of in the backstage of WWE said, "Well, who said the story finishes here? You know, it's it's going to continue." Uh, so everyone's obviously expecting Cody to win or at least be in the main event and have a championship match here at uh, at WrestleMania. The Rock, if he agrees to be in WrestleMania, um, his time is very, very, you know, it comes at a real premium at the moment, hugely. Um, So if they get the opportunity to get him on WrestleMania, they're not going to pass that up. And it only makes sense if The Rock comes back in to face Roman Reigns. But it's a bit of a a nil point, though, doesn't it? You know, bring The Rock back, put him in a match against Roman Reigns for the title. You know damn well Rock's not going to win the world heavyweight title the the wwe championship so then you know 
you've got all this build up for a non-title match in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. What do you then do? Have Cody Rhodes come out and say, Hey, hold on. I, I want a match, please. Unless you do something like a WrestleMania 10 situation, you know, where you had um, Lex Luger and Bret Hart. They both deserved a title shot against Yokozuna. Um, so they flipped a coin to see which one goes against him first. You know, you maybe have uh, you know, The Rock versus Roman on night one while Cody goes against whoever, Seth Rollins, whoever. Uh, uh, Rock loses to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns then goes on to uh, second night of Mania to the main event and, and goes on against... Um, uh, Cody. Got it. I know what they're going to do. Go on. Right. The Rock is going to be entrant number 30 in the Royal Rumble. Then it will be Cody Rhodes, entrant number 29 or 21, because that's the uh, that's the Hulk Hogan spot. 21. And they will both eliminate themselves. Both feet will touch the floor at the same time. Yeah. Unless you look at various different camera angles. And then you'll see that Lex Luger's feet actually touch before Brett's. <laughs> Swear to God that happened. Um, and then they'll go to WrestleMania in a triple threat. That could work. Yeah, triple threat could work. I mean, it would... Um, your idea. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, especially if it would it would cover The Rock, because obviously he's not in ring shape. He's, he's starting to break down a little bit physically. Um, Hollywood is his main home now. But you could, you know, if it's one of those three-way matches where it was an elimination, you could leave The Rock in there for five minutes. And, you know, he does a few stare downs. He does all the classic bits, but eventually gets pinned by a quick spear and roll up from Roman Reigns, leaving then uh, Cody and Roman head to head. Alternatively, you could do... Uh, Cody wants to go against Roman Reigns. Rock wins the Royal Rumble. Um, and then, you know, Rock and Cody are the main event of night one. And the winner of that match then goes on to face Roman at night two. Yeah, they could do so many things with it. Uh, now WrestleMania is a two-night event. It does open up the possibility, yeah. doesn't it? But I mean, yeah. you want to see Cody Road in the main event because they seem to have done an AEW and didn't pull the trigger when they could have done it this year at WrestleMania. I think it's... The, the problem you've got now is everyone's expecting it. Um, yeah. ev everyone was expecting it at last WrestleMania and everyone was disappointed when it didn't happen. And then WWE said, well, you know, who's to say this? You know, at some point, Cody Rhodes has got to win the world championship uh, in the name of Dusty. And you can't really have it anywhere else other than WrestleMania. But it's almost going to be anticlimactic when it happens because everyone is expecting it. They're just waiting for that trigger to be pulled. Every time he's in a title match, it's like, oh, here we go. This is going to be it. Mm. I just hope they bring back the classic winged eagle. That would be nice. That it would be, be nice. nice. The, the, the picture of, um, I don't know if you saw it before WrestleMania, uh, this year's WrestleMania, they'd, uh, they created a new sort of hybrid American nightmare. World uh, yeah. WWE winged eagle belt, which was rumored to be, oh, well, they've made that. He's definitely going to win now because they, they've done the belt for it. Uh, but yeah, if that gets to make an appearance again for a little while, that'd be uh, awesome. Because again, it was Cody that brought back the white uh, strap intercontinental classic intercontinental belt back in the day. So uh, if anyone's going to do that, bring back something similar in style to the Winged Eagle, it should be Cody. Yeah, absolutely. Can't, couldn't agree more. I mean, WrestleMania, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to Mania. I can't say I'm looking forward to some of the things that are coming up, but Survivor Series will be interesting with War Games. Yeah, But it's always exciting when you get on this road to WrestleMania from now really to know what they're going to do survivor series to set up for the royal rumble you've got to think la knight is going to be in the equation at yeah. some point because of crown jewel but do they take the strap off roman before wrestlemania i wouldn't i mean again he's there he's the face of wwe at the moment um that there's i i would absolutely again this is if i was running wwe my opinion 
other people will probably think different, but I would honestly have Roman Reigns with the belt on all your posters and all your promotions running to WrestleMania. It, it's got to the point now where he's sort of he's in that Brock Lesnar position where people can almost see him and say, oh yeah, that's Roman Reigns, isn't it? That's the, the WWE champion. He's got the belt there. He's been champion or at least identified as main event or sometimes champion, sometimes not for the last however many years now. Um, you know, he's synonymous with the championship. So you you have him on your branding. You have Cody Rhodes as your ultimate babyface going in. Um, unless you do something like, I don't know, sling the rock in there as a special guest referee at Mania and um, Roman Reigns loses to Cody and uh, Roman blames the rock for the loss and they meet up at SummerSlam or something like that because they tend to put that in a big stadium now. They do. That's kind of like the next big WrestleMania, isn't it? It's it's, yeah. it's WrestleMania and SummerSlam on equal footing. Um, there's rumours it's going to be a two-night SummerSlam wow. next year as well. Yeah, it will take away the the sort of um, the the special feel of WrestleMania because you know having that over two nights is is uh, you know it's WrestleMania's thing now. It'd be a shame to do that at SummerSlam. It'd be nice to have two two nights of it, but um, you know more wrestling is always good. But I think it will dilute it a bit and make mm. WrestleMania feel a little bit less special. Yeah. Anyway, something that is coming back, which is more special, is tribute to the troops. But this time. It's a SmackDown special, and it's going to be taking place uh, on... When is it taking place? Friday, December the 8th at 8 p.m. on Fox. It's been going since 2003. You and I covered Mm. it when it first started on the original TSC. And the one bugbear I've always had about Tribute to the Troops Mm. is, why is it just the American troops? Yep. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Especially seeing as you've got people on the roster now. I mean, back when they started it, it was 90% pure blood Americans yeah. on, on the roster. You can kind of understand that. But now you've got, you know, Nick Aldis is the uh, SmackDown general manager. You've got, um, you know, people like Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, you know, the list goes on of, um, you know, and the people who sort of ro- rose up through NXT UK, some of those guys around now, Pete Dunn, people like that, um, you know, Gunther um, from the European circuit. And, yeah, it, it, it's more prevalent now that they should make it, um, you know, a, a sort of not the worldwide event, but to benefit troops from all around the world. And, and what about the, the now the fact that it's the last few years they've come out of Iraq, they've come out of the war zone, they've done it in a house show setting, as in it's SmackDown on Monday Night Raw. I mean, yeah. I remember, you know, back to 2004, 2005, where they were in Saudi Arabia or they were in Iraq and you saw Steve Austin come out of Santa Claus in the desert. It yeah. had that different feeling. It just feels like they're doing it for the sake of doing it now. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was an event. You could see the troops at, you know, when they did it in, you know, built a ring, shipped a ring over to God knows where at the time and, and put it up a little sort of little camp and uh, and had the yeah. event there and yeah you could see the the troops physically at ringside enjoying it and they put on yeah stone cold would come out mick foley dressed as santa austin would be stunning people anywhere just to get some entertainment out of it but now it just seems they're doing it and obviously there will be troops in attendance but again like you say it's just another smackdown but it's going to have tribute to the troops written underneath it and yeah it loses a bit of that shine i think which is a shame and we're not trying to come across as being pessimistic because no, no. You know, the work they do is is great but when you're thinking about what's going on in Ukraine at the moment, when you think about what's going on in Gaza mm. at the moment and the tensions around the world, this is your Bob Hope moment, which is what JBL wanted it to be yep. back when he came up with the concept. Go out there. And what I'm surprised about 
and somebody will say, oh, it's because he's a fanboy and all this type of thing. I am genuinely surprised Tony Khan hasn't jumped on this and done something yep. for this global audience. Exactly. And and especially seeing as, um, you know, Tony Khan and, and his father own the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and the NFL do a uh, salute to service, they call it. All of the teams release, um, you know, team strips that are in the, the camo wear and they have whole games dedicated to it. And the stadium is is all, you know, it's got troops everywhere. And so he knows how well it can work and, and how much good it can do. Um, maybe he doesn't want to sort of appear as um, sort of riding on the coattails of WWE and immediately copying them, but it would be something that they could uh, they could pull off quite well. And if they're going to do it, okay, this is your time. You do send people over to uh, the, the camp because you know, again, these guys will be watching it overseas on TV rather than having a ring sat in front of them and having that entertainment. That's what it was all about originally. That's not, exactly, you know, the Vera Lynn moment, the Bob Home mm. moment, the actual going out there and entertaining the troops, but. Yeah, it's back anyway. December the eighth on SmackDown, um, available on TNT Sports. Uh, Mercedes Monet is back in the news one more time. Mm. Um, great, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm over the moon about this. She says she can't wait to come back in 2024. I cannot wait to be in the square circle. Uh, don't count where I'm going to end up. Yeah. Um... <sighs> It's clearly going to, I mean, it, I, I can't imagine it's going to be WWE again at this stage. Um, if she, you know, she was obviously at all in, um, leaning sort of heavily to the the fact that she was going to appear at AEW in some capacity. Uh, you know, Sasha Banks, as she was in WWE, was good. But, you know, when she left WWE, they smoothed over the cracks and the women's division just carried on without uh, without any uh, any stuttering at all. It was, it was fine. Um, she's... She's big. I don't really know how she would fit into AEW at this stage. You know, they they need to focus on. I mean, I suppose she'd fit into the the, the Jay Cargill slot. That um, obviously she's left now. But again, the, the problem with AEW is has been said by so many people is they've just got too much talent and not enough TV time. She'll come in as a lot of the other uh, former WWE people or the big superstars and the big debuts. She'll be on telly for a couple of weeks and then she'll disappear. And we'll see her once a month on uh you know collision or something in a in a little angle it is it, a shame you know she does deserve to be somewhere she's good and um, she's proved that in wwe she can't go back to wwe aw aren't going to be able to showcase her as well as she could and i don't really think she wants japan full-time you know she's she's always going to have that shine of um oh you know she's a former um wwe diva kind of thing she's not going to be taken properly seriously i know she's done a lot to kind of shed that uh persona but still i don't think japan is the place for it it's a shame but still it doesn't matter how much you do to try and shed that image once you've been in that wwe ring you are forever known as an ex wwe i mean take joel redmond from the uk scene every yeah. poster you see him on mm. states nxt he was in there for a cup of coffee i mean literally yeah. a cup of coffee um <clears throat> Same with Sid Scala, you know, it's NXT UK or Doug Williams is TNA. Yeah. The interesting thing. Sorry, yeah. go. No, Kono Karam. I was going to say the interesting thing is Tony Khan, apparently a news report came out the other day, is making plays to get Eva Marie signed to the company because he considers her to be the person to save the women's division. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I mean, she couldn't wrestle. Um. She couldn't do any promo. She didn't really have much of a personality. She's obviously you know, a lovely person, but 
if we're looking at pure skills that you need to work as a wrestler, again, from my perspective, she wasn't very good in the ring. She wasn't very good at promos. And I mean, it's it goes back to the Divas era. You know, she was eye candy. The main um, storyline I remember her being involved in was when she refused to wrestle. And then, oh, accidentally her top fell off. Like, great, brilliant. That's not going to cut it today in AEW where they take the women's wrestling a bit more seriously. I mean, yeah, but also the fact is they're taking it more seriously. They're considering her to be the future of the women's division. What about Britt Baker? What yeah. about Soraya? What about, you know, um, Julia Hart, who's come out of nowhere? Willow Nightingale, Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho, yeah. Tony, timeless Tony Storm, who is doing some of the best work. That's ridiculous. She's come I out thought- of nowhere. I mean, she's she was great before, but she just sort of fit in amongst the shuffle. But she has just gone from here to... Uh, you know superstardom and she's embracing it she's doing so well and i think orange the sales of oranges are going up as well (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) especially if you're tony uh tony shivani talking about tony shivani um we're not talking about him at all we're talking about his former boss eric bischoff who made comments regarding nxt and the cw network and tony khan refusing the offer to put ring of honor on there Mm. we're not going to, I'm not going to go into detail on what he said because it's 83 weeks and you can download it on all good podcasters along yep. with pretty much any other superstar from Conrad Thompson's network. But it is interesting that Tony Khan was offered the chance to take Ring of Honor to CW and mm. passed it up. And now NXT has gone to broadcast TV for the first time in its inception. What would your take on that? Because ROH has really done nothing since mm. got bought by Tony Khan. Yeah, it's it's kind of been an AEW Dark or a version of AEW Dark. It sits there in the little um, soundstage and it has its matches and, you know, it just exists, really. Um, the only thing I can think of is Tony Khan, the rumor is that they're looking into some sort of streaming service similar to yeah. WWE Network, um, which they will arguably, potentially, uh, if they put all the previous AEW content and God knows what else content they would be able to get hold of to put on there, uh, if they launch some sort of network and they're already too far down the line of organizing that to be, oh, hang on a minute, put the brakes on, we're going to stick Ring of Honor on the CW Network. Um you and I know, Andy, like both of us have had aspirations in the past to get onto, you know, proper radio, FM radio and, and things like that. Um, it's not that era anymore. So few people listen to real radio. It's now Spotify and podcasts and it's on demand stuff. So maybe, I mean, Tony Khan is a very forward thinking guy. Maybe he's starting to think now, who cares about a network? It's who's going to tune in at this time and, and this day to watch it. Let's stream it. Let's have it on demand. Let's have it on our own terms, on our own platform. That's what I would think is happening here. Is is because it, it's it appears like a stupid move, but he must have a, a better option B. I think. I'm always surprised when these broadcast deals are announced by WWE about you know we've broken the records and NXT's on CW for five years and you can watch it live on Tuesday night at eight PM Eastern time. It's like why? I just watch mm. it on the network like yeah. twenty four hours later. Exactly. I mean, I, I I don't remember. I think the the only time, obviously, I was at All In, but the last time I watched wrestling live was when I stayed up to watch CM Punk's debut um, in AEW. And before that, you know, it's WrestleMania. That's the only pay per view I watched live. 
there's there's nothing else really um i don't i certainly don't like plan my life around oh my god it's midnight it's monday night i'm gonna switch raw on um it's it's so freely available in other mediums that there's just no point you know you can people are busy people are out and about people are doing their own thing they've got a spare two hours they'll sit down and they'll watch raw at whatever time they've got available and it's the culture now, isn't it? It's the streaming wars. You know, you just crack on Netflix and chill. You don't talk about watching BBC One. You watch it all on iPlayer. Yep. Or you watch it on ITVX and Premium. You know, I don't watch AEW Dynamite or Collision on ITV4. I'll put it on ITVX and watch it with no ad breaks. Yep, exactly. It's brilliant, right? Yeah. So why would you want to say I'm, I'm totally surprised. I think Bischoff has got good points. But Eric is very much about the Tony Khan hate camp yeah, at the yeah. moment. Right. And yeah. you got to think how equal balanced is he in respect to those comments. But there you go. Ring of Honor is not going to CW Network. NXT is. Yeah, I, I hope. I mean, yeah, again, as I said, I, th- I hope Tony Khan knows what he's doing and he's got a plan B here. But, you know, as well as I do, Andy, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we got together about, um, you know, because we're both content creators, we're both media creators and how it's consumed and, and the live stuff. You know, we've both done live stuff and there is a little bit of an extra buzz when you do things live. But it's almost no point because a lot of people, even if you do something live, uh, oh, it's live, but that will be on demand as well. You know, like TSC here, we're, we're not live right now. Um, but even if we were live, probably so few people would tune in yeah. to watch it because I'll catch it tomorrow because it'll be on YouTube. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, forward slash TSC wrestling pod, check us out. And, you know, you can, um, yeah, it, it's, it's all there to watch in chunks as well. You know, oh, I'll watch half an hour of it before I go to work. I'll stick on the other half hour. It'll remember where I was when I get in. Mm. Um, I honestly think that's it. If I'm if I'm betting money on it, it's a, it's an app or a streaming service or something for AEW. I think you've got it right on the money, right on the money there. Because you know, like you talk about TSC, our viewing figures have gone up tenfold since we got rid of the live aspect and just yep. focused on this. Because, like you said, you can just watch it when you want to watch it. And some people were getting messages that uh, will watch it on a, a Friday evening or something before SmackDown comes on and, yep. and that sets them up for the pay-per-view or, or whatever they're going to be. Right. That is it for this week. That's the not, not it for the show. We've still got a lot more to do. <laughs> uh, I will say that, but that is it for the news coming up next. It's time for talking point. Um, as Lee said, we're going to be talking about the legacy of Eddie Guerrero. Um, quite honestly, one of the greatest cruiserweights in history and a man who was really underrated, I think, throughout his career. Yeah, I, I'll certainly go with that. He's, um, you know, he obviously came into WCW um, in the Nitro era uh, right at the start where Bischoff was trying to uh, bring in a lot more um, international faces to stock up a cruiserweight division. He really stood out as, um, you know, him and Rey Mysterio, of course, and Chris Jericho um, as, as major stars. Uh, well, yeah, ben, Benoit, of course. And uh, yeah, kind of, I don't think at that point, Bischoff was willing to give a lot of them any more time because they were still significantly smaller in that day than, you know, people like Hogan, Hall, Nash, Big Show, or the Giant, as he was at the time. Um, and they did look ridiculously small. Uh, you know, following that, there was the era of, uh, you know, give the smaller guys a chance. You know, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, 
that had sort of paved the way. And then you, you sort of got some more middle-sized people, people like your Austins and, uh, you know, Rock is, is a big guy if you walk, walk down the street. But if you put him next to a Kevin Nash, you know, Nash is looking down on him. So um, the smaller guys really came into favor. And uh, certainly when Eddie and uh, Perry Saturn, Benoit, Dean Malenko moved over to WWE, that was where their careers really ignited. And, um, yeah, again, it's, uh, yeah, I give the small guys a chance. Everyone was behind him at that stage. It was really weird, wasn't it? Because, you know, you remember, watching nitro and seeing like halloween havoc i think it was halloween havoc 97 with eddie guerrero and Rey mysterio in the purple mm. which you can play on the wwe uh 2k 23 this year as part yes. of showcase yes. it was bloody difficult to beat eddie guerrero. it was <laughs> <laughs> it took ages to beat eddie guerrero um and then you flip over to monday night raw and you've got that shot with the radicals mm. like malenko satin benoit and guerrero just sat ringside and that one 30 second shot instantly made them look like superstars yeah. more than anything that wcw had done and you know you talk about ecw i mean he was going up against mm. you know um ray mysterio and benoit and and malenko in ecw yeah that's yeah. how they got their pick up by wcw it's the ultimate sort of rising through the ranks, you know, ECW, yeah. WCW. Uh, I mean, it was a bit of a spot fest, obviously, in, in ECW, but they were trying to get noticed, uh, especially when you've got someone like Bischoff, who was very public about bringing in lots of international cruiserweights that, um, you know, as, as he always puts it, you know, just to, they wanted a cruiserweight match to open up the show. So it would be like, holy crap, what the hell is this all about? People flying around all over the place, um, you know, as opposed to, uh, what, I mean, what year was that? 1995. You've probably got, you know, people like Diesel sort of lumbering their way to the ring on Raw and, uh, you know, people who want a bit more fast paced action. Um, and it, it certainly worked. And, uh, you know, after a time, they weren't getting their opportunities and away they went up north. I mean, you mentioned at the top of the show about it's 18 years ago since Eddie died. And, and when you first broke into podcasting, that this was your first, you know, topic, your your first show. Yeah. Go back 18 years if you can. A lot's happened in those in that 20-year period. Totally. What was going through your mind when you heard the news about Eddie Guerrero? Um, obviously, great performer. Um, happy that he finally got to the pinnacle of his career. He won the WWE Championship. Uh, surprised about the news, but kind of not surprised. Surprised because, you know, you, you heard all about how he was in his, in his depths and he was um you know alcohol and drug abuse and all that kind of stuff and then you hear someone turn their life around and get you know back on top and um and, and you sort of think all that stuff is is past them but then obviously the, the impact that that can have on the body i mean i know more than anything putting stuff in your body how much it can uh, ruin your insides but um uh, you know you you then sort of think okay they're through that but uh uh, you know, obviously, um, yeah, the, the scars were still there and, uh, you know, they took their toll at a later date. So it was it was was very sad. It was very unfortunate, especially seeing as, you know, you know he had shed all of those demons and, and was kind of moving on with his life and having the, the most success of his career. But, um, yeah, it, it yeah, didn't I mean, really know how to translate it into a podcast at that point. I mean, I don't think I've got a copy of it anymore, but it was, yeah, didn't really know what to say apart from read the news yeah it must have been difficult, difficult. i mean even when we did about the benoit you know story mm. just trying to put that 
into and we'd been doing it for a few years by that point you know when when, mm. when that Benoit story came out um you know so credit for doing it i mean you look back on it now what do you think is the highlight if someone said to you describe eddie guerrero's best moment what would it be it's difficult i mean it's it's between it's you know torn between two for me number one is him obviously winning the championship from brock lesnar uh amazing if you look at the crowd they're all you know they're they're literally on their feet jumping up and down because it was so unexpected there was no way eddie guerrero this former wcw cruiserweight was going to beat brock lesnar who literally tears people in half it wasn't going to happen um of course it kind of came off the heels of the you know of goldberg getting involved so it was a little bit of a hollow victory but just the celebration of of eddie winning the championship was was amazing secondly it's difficult to think about it because it, you know it was at the end of WrestleMania 20 and Chris Benoit was there with his family and it's always going to be tarnished because of that. But the two of those guys stood in the ring at the end of WrestleMania 20 with their respective world championships. Um, again, something you know five years or so before that you wouldn't have thought would have even been possible seeing those two guys in a WWE ring holding two world championships and then you know, obviously uh, what happened to Eddie and then what happened to Benoit a couple of years later, it's it's nigh on impossible to watch that ending of that pay-per-view now without, um, you know, some very, very conflicting feelings. Yeah, and I think that's perfectly natural, isn't it? I mean, yeah, well, where do you go with, with, with that one? Yeah. But for, for me, I think it's watching a, an episode on Bravo. I don't know if you remember Bravo TV channel. Yeah. Tommy Boyd. And he did that wrestling revival show in oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Coventry Skydome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the music hit and out came Eddie Guerrero. You know, and the crowd, I mean, it was a small independent, but the crowd went absolutely nuts. And you were sat there going, this is the beginning of the comeback trail mm. for Eddie Guerrero. Because not long after that, he got re-signed to WWE. Yep. And then he won the world strap, which was that pinnacle of that journey. And after he won that world strap, he seemed to be in a different stratosphere. You know, you talked about earlier on um, about someone going to the mega, to the mega stratus, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened to Eddie Guerrero after he won the world title, because it didn't matter what he did then. He went mm. into the light sheet and steel gimmick. He tagged up with, with Chavo. He did the low riders and did the feud with Rey Mysterio. Yeah. It was Eddie Guerrero happy. Yes. Yeah. And you can see that in his face, um, you yeah. know, before uh, before he was, you know, while he was fighting his demons, he would come, you know, I know he was a heel and he was playing a character, but there was uh, when he returned to WWE, he kind of had that that shine behind his eyes and a bit of a spark in his performance. And uh, you can tell he really enjoyed being there rather than just going through the motions to get a paycheck, which at, at times I feel he was when he was, uh, you know, in, in some of his low points. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the last run of Eddie Guerrero in WWE was yeah just enjoyable uh, to watch because you could tell he was enjoying himself. Where would he be now? Would he still be in WWE or would he have jumped to AEW or... He would, I don't think he'd have, I, I think he's quite a WWE loyalist because of what WWE did to him. But then again, having said that, Adam Copeland's in AEW now. So, <laughs> you know, who knows? But I, I'd like to think that, um, I think some of the, the things he put his body through, uh, I think he, he would have been retired a few years now, but it would have been nice to have seen him dive in with the uh, the Ray and Dominic storyline and, and see what would have happened there. Again, he could have busted out a frog splash every so often or, you know, done his whole throwing a weapon at someone and laying down, 
to, to get the referee think he's been knocked out by his opponent. You know, something like that. I, I can only imagine the sort of antics and little am- angles and storylines you could get him involved with. It'd be brilliant. I mean, he's dusty, isn't he? In terms of oh, yeah. the mind and what he could do and the way he could have got the crowd involved. So mm-hmm. to have him as a producer or as a trainer in developmental at, at NXT would have been uh, phenomenal. But without a doubt, I mean, he is a legend. He is a certifiable Hall of Famer. And mm. yeah, you know, Eddie Guerrero, 18 years, it's gone fast. Got to admit, it has gone very fast. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the, the industry has changed massively since then. I mean, we were... Uh, you know, WWE was a thing. Uh, we were in the early days of uh, TNA at the time. Yeah. And, you know, look where we are now with uh, WWE being, well, yeah, it is coming back. And, uh, um, you know, an AEW kind of, uh, you know, nip, say nipping at the heels of WWE. They're nowhere near, but, you know, they're, they're a big, solid secondary wrestling promotion, which we didn't really have at the time. So, uh, yeah, wrestling's exploded. Who plays Eddie Guerrero in a biopic of his life? Wow, that's good. I know. Thanks. That just literally came to me. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's mm. gonna have to come back to me on that one. I'm not sure. There's there's going to be someone, but I can't think who it is. Yeah, there'll be a lot of dead air. Yeah, there'll be a lot of dead air. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll come back. Right, we're going to move on. So that was. Remembering Eddie Guerrero, a certifiable legend. Let us know what you think of mm. the legend that is Eddie Guerrero uh, across social media, uh, TSC Wrestling Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Threads, and X. Does anybody actually use Threads anymore? I used it for 24 hours, and then I was like, well, this is, yeah. And then I just got loads of alerts on my phone. Oh, this person has joined Threads. This person has joined Threads. I don't really care anymore. And then it went quiet. Yeah, like Clubhouse. Remember Clubhouse? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sent me an invite to Clubhouse. And again, similar sort of thing. I used it for a little while and then was like, well, no one else is really here. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I buggered off pretty quickly. It got a bit boring. Um, it was just all the same stuff. Yeah. Right. Let's move on. So we are going to go to Ask Chat GPT. So I'm wow. going to open up uh, Chat GPT now. So we're going to go to Chat Open AI. Have you ever asked it to write plots for movies and things? Yes. I, oh, it's I, so I asked it to wrote. I asked it to write a full promo for TEW uh, for Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. <laughs> nice for the like AEW it. Championship because I modded it. Right. Yeah. Pretty good. I've really got a full good. sequel to the Goonies that it's written. It's brilliant. Send it <laughs> off. Get it done. <laughs> I think it's how many other people would have done the same thing and have got exactly the same result. Possibly. <laughs> But, you know, it would be intriguing to keep imagine yeah. that Goonies 2, written by Lee Tyers and yeah, directed ChatGPT. By... <laughs> directed by Sam Mendes. Yeah. Right, so ChatGPT, ask me five random wrestling questions to have a discussion about any era, any company, any performer. Wow. Sure, let's dive into some wrestling discussions. <laughs> it is what it says. <clears throat> Greatest Survivor Series match. In your opinion, which match stands out as the greatest in Survivor Series history and what makes it memorable? Mm. Wow. This I mean, when Dead Air comes into it now. Th- no, th- there's, uh, there's probably, there's only one for me, to be honest. And it's it's got to be Survivor Series 1990, the debut of The Undertaker. Um, oh. It was the, the dream team, Dusty Rhodes, 
Coco Beware and the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart against the Million Dollar Team, Ted DiBiase, uh, Rhythm and Blues, which was Honky Tonk Man and Greg the Hammer Fowlton, I think it was them, and yeah. a mystery opponent, which uh, Brother Love brought out The Undertaker. Um, just for the pure, I mean, the match itself was okay. Um, the the last sort of five minutes where it was just Brett and uh, Million Dollar Man was unbelievable. Check that out, Survivor Series 1990. Um, and but you know the the significance of the undertaker coming out the first time you saw him and uh, you know that was his uh, that was his, his proper entry into the WWE for significance alone it's got to be that wow what okay. would you say i'm going to go a little bit later go on. so i am going to go to survivor series of 1994 yeah and it's going to be the hart family against Shawn michaels and his knights of course you had that whole con controversy about Shawn Michaels claiming to be the real Intercontinental Champion after being stripped. You had the Knights and then you had Owen Hart being the only person eliminated, which set off that cracking storyline between brother versus brother, Brett versus Owen, WrestleMania, Mm -hmm. Royal Rumble 1994, the tag match, WrestleMania 10, um, that opening, closing, bookending with Owen beating Brett and then Brett winning the world title at, at WrestleMania in the main event. And the whole crowd, when the ring announcer is going, from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, crowd going nuts. And then Owen comes out and instantly crowd turned and were yeah. booing. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously SummerSlam with the steel cage match. Steel cage match, yep. Yeah. Him and the Hitman. Brilliant. Just for the storyline set up. Alone. And originally, of course, that match was going to be uh, the Hearts versus Jerry Lawler and his Knights. It was, uh, yeah. but Jerry Lawler was suspended at the time because I think he was. Uh, there'd been some accusations against him. I don't want to go into that now, but uh, he was, uh, let's say, having some time off from WWE. But it was very, very close to the pay per view. So Shawn Michaels just dived straight in, and yeah, it was Shawn Michaels and his in uh, his Knights against the Hart family. Yeah, really memorable one. That was good. Oh, I love it. Survivor Series. I'm actually going to do, in a couple of weeks, we are going to do the top 10 Survivor Series matches of all time. So maybe... Well, I mean, the one you've got to include, which is one that only ever happened once, again, Survivor Series 1990, which is the grand finale match of survival. Only ever happened that one time. Maybe, you know, if you're free, we should uh, do the top 10 Survivor Series matches. I'm happy with that. Yeah, it sounds good to me. That's the live plug. Oh, I know (laughs) the answer to this one straight away. Favorite tag team of all time. Tag team wrestling has produced some iconic duos. Who is your all-time favorite tag team and what matches or moments define their greatness? Right, you can take this one first. Oh, okay. All right. Um. (laughs) Oh, geez. I know I don't know. For you, I was going to say Demolition. But uh, I think, damn it, I don't know. The Heart Foundation. Okay. Um, what would you, what would you say the uh, the highlight or the pinnacle of their um, run was? Uh, 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 now you are putting me on the spot. The six-man match at WrestleMania 3 against the British Bulldogs with Danny Davis and Jimmy Hart <laughs> at ringside was great. And then you slowly saw them turning into this brilliant face tag team yeah until wrestlemania 6 right yeah and then it goes all the way through to wrestlemania 7 with the nasty boys and and that and jim neidhart with them and yeah 
just it's everything about it you know Bret Hart doing the the most stoic normal performances and promos that he always does you know what let me tell you this I am the best there is best there was and I am the best there ever will be yeah <laughs> sorry it was classic yeah it was it was brilliant I mean for me I would say again I'm gonna go old school there are so many you could choose from the sort of late 80s early 90s but you nailed it I'm gonna go demolition uh, the original demolition axe and smash don't I'm not going to include crush in this because they massively went downhill when uh, when they brought crush in as the third man and the iconic moment from that tag team and ironically the reason why I was I uh, wanted you to go first was so I could drink a bit more of my drink because I have a hard rock cafe sky dome uh wow. Toronto uh glass here which I've been drinking coke out of for the evening um my moment is WrestleMania six Skydome Toronto. It was my first experience with, uh, you know, they do the top 10 list of the biggest pops yeah. of all time, uh, where, uh, it was a demolition against the colossal connection, Andre, the giant and Haku managed by Bobby Heenan for the tag team championships. Uh, Haku accidentally, uh, kicks Andre, the giant in the face. He goes backwards and, and falls in the ropes and he's all tied up. Bobby Heenan is trying to, uh, release him from the ropes demolition a double team in uh haku beating the heck out of him do the finishing move when that uh hand of the referee hits the mat for three the place just explodes and there's there's a few different versions of the audio because i don't think for a while wwe had the rights to the, the the original demolition theme song and they they you lost some of the audio in there but if you can get the original feed of wrestlemania 6 the the noise when they won was just absolutely amazing um, but just a shame they kind of went heel slowly and brought in Crush shortly afterwards. And of course, the 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 end of that match with Andre doing the paintbrush on Bobby Heenan in the cell, and yep. he's going up that that cart back to ringside that you didn't see since WrestleMania three. Yep. One thing about Demolition was the managers that Demolition had, right? Mm. So if you think they had the uh, they had Mister Fuji, yep. They had the one who managed the, the the warlord in the barbarian, which I can't remember what his name was. Uh, Baron. The Baron. It was Baron, Baron. von Raschke, just with yes. a, a hood over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Crush. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Crush came in. Again, a little bit of trivia, if you don't know. They, they brought in a, a third member of Demolition who was Crush, Brian Adams, um, who always went by the name of Crush as he went on with his various personas. But he... Uh, was brought in due to Bill Eady, who was axed from demolition. He had a heart problem and was told that he couldn't, uh, you know, work at the rate that he had been in future. So Axe would work sparingly. Um, again, going back to Survivor Series 90 again, he was on Mr. Perfect's team. It was Mr. Perfect and three members of demolition. Axe went out within the first 30 seconds, essentially, and, and that was just a way of eliminating him quickly without him having to do anything major. And then very quickly wrapped up demolition, and Barry Darso got repackaged as the Repo Man. Yep. And Crush is Kona Crush. Yep. And they uh, wrestled each other at SummerSlam 92. They did. Which I thought was demolition. really odd. So, and but no, they, it, yeah, and they no didn't refer to it as that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, it is, but that's wrestling at the time. Who is the most underrated performer? So wrestling has its share of underrated talents who might not have received the recognition they deserved. Who, in your opinion, is an underrated performer that more people should know about? Okay. Now, purely because I was listening to him on a podcast earlier, 
And this is a bit of a weird one. So uh, Jim Ross has obviously had his health issues over the last um, uh, couple of years. So uh, Conrad's been putting out some of his old radio shows, like when he used to do um, his old FM show when he was with WCW and then when we, when he was with uh, WWE. And the one I was listening to today had uh, Terry Taylor in the um in the in the studio at the time he was terence taylor he was working for the york foundation um that were all like uh, uh alexandra york who's terry runnels yeah i uh, would walk around with a computer and sort of program you know uh, what the the best way to win was and all that but i love terry taylor he was if you watch some of his performances in the ring whether it was as terry taylor as the red rooster uh as terence taylor or the tailor-made man in wcw he's one of those guys who didn't really have the the charisma or the persona to sort of reach that next level he was always kind of that mid-card guy but i always thought that you know given the right opportunities and if he was used correctly he could have been uh, bigger than he was that one's a bit out there but that's what i'm going with you're you're, you're clucking to the far reaches <laughs> gotta love the red rooster especially gotta the theme it. tune oh the theme tune was amazing if only it's on spotify it. Yeah, I know. But if only you could play it on YouTube, I'd be going out with it right now. That'd be good. I'd, I'd, I'd be banned. Um, I'm going to go for the most underrated performer. Go with me on this. Marty Jannetty. So, okay. Marty Jannetty, everybody knows as the tag team with the Rockers. He was the elder statesman. Shawn Michaels was the younger guy. But Jannetty had his demons and he was all over the place. Yeah. And kind of took Michaels down that path. As a solo performer, though, back mm. in 1993, after he got shoved through the barbershop window and came back, he could work and he yeah. could go. And if he had just been able to have kept himself clean and kept the demons away, I think Janetti could have made quite an impact. Because you watch those matches back, not only as the new Rockers, but also as, as the Rockers and the singles run with Shawn Michaels. Mm. He was great technical worker he could hold his own but he also had that high flying ability so he was about five years too soon really in terms yeah. of of his career so i would go marty Janetti. yeah that I, I i go with that i mean he's yeah again if he'd have if he didn't have those demons and he had a consistent run uh it seemed to me in his singles run he was only there to be an opponent for Shawn michaels yes like it was it was the rockers feud after that happened what do we do with mighty yeah. he was in a tag team with one two three kid he floated around with razor ramon for a bit but again because he kept coming and going because of, of various issues if he'd had a consistent run i think uh yeah he would have seen a lot more from him yeah i mean he was leaf cassidy's tag partner as well exactly yeah yeah the new rockers that was weird <laughs> the new rockers Oh yeah, let's let's not go there. All right, okay. Dream match scenario: If you could create a dream match between any two wrestlers from different eras or promotions, who would they be, and why do you think it would be a classic? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Roman Reigns. Oh, okay. Def uh, current modern day Roman Reigns defending the WWE. I'm not going to do Universal, uh, the WWE World Championship against uh 1990 hulk hogan oh you had to go there yeah. yeah yeah you had to go you've seen the graphic right no roman reigns longest reigning wwe champion oh that yeah yeah, yeah. two defenses hulk hogan <laughs> 1000 something <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it would be great i mean it's he's your classic hulk hogan opponent he's big he looks 
evil and you know like he could really tear hogan apart it would be your your classic hulk hogan match with hogan at the end you know coming back hulking up doing the the the, the big boot the leg drop and the and the pin and winning the championship you know that's i mean again everyone has their different opinions everyone has their favorites that would be mine yeah i think that would be a good match actually be it, yeah. it wouldn't be a good match it would be an interesting match yeah. um i'm gonna go with classic heartbreak kid sean michaels singles run yeah and maxwell jacob friedman oh the promos would be amazing the promos would be electric and then the in-ring action as well because you know they they can both go and we're going to see that this saturday night at full gear when mm. mjf defends against switchblade jay white for the title yeah but they can still go and that like you said the promos will be electric we can see how good he was when he promoted against regal and cm punk yeah uh and you know what michaels can do in that squared circle absolutely adding the x factor as well of sherry being at ringside. oh yeah yeah that would be good that would be very very good yeah oh i'd oh, love it yeah that, that that was really good stick them on the same card <laughs> yeah perfect that's a that's a dream card if you ever got one uh <laughs> Last one, greatest wrestling rivalry. So rivalries are a cornerstone of professional wrestling. Which rivalry do you consider the greatest of all time and what moments or storylines made it stand out for you? And I think we take McMahon, Austin off the table. Yeah, I mean, that was one that changed the industry or certainly changed the WWF and, and picked it up from almost near implosion to being you know, within a couple of yeah. years, just a multi-million dollar. Um, I'm going to go Hogan Savage, uh, the whole uh, mega powers uh, forming after WrestleMania 4. Hogan helped Savage win the WWF Championship. Right. Uh, goes all the way through SummerSlam, uh, all the way through to WrestleMania 5, the inevitable breakup. Uh, Savage thought Hogan was uh, going after Elizabeth and he was the star of the team and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, they had the big main event at WrestleMania 5, Hogan beating Savage for the title. Hogan Savage for me, definitely. I'm going to go with Hogan and I'm going to go Hogan Warrior. Okay. So, you know, you think about the Royal Rumble 1990. Yeah. Uh, that first interaction where they did the crisscross and they did the double clothesline, which both took him out. Yeah. Then you move forward to the Warrior, you know, winning the wwf championship at wrestlemania 6 yeah in that in the sky dome in toronto you know yeah your favorite pay-per-view we covered that <laughs> on a retro chat available on this channel we did. Um, a while ago uh <laughs> so you've got that match and then you shoot forward nearly 20 years 10 years 20 years whatever it was yeah wcw when they did Ultimate Halloween Warrior. Havoc 98, I think, wasn't it? 98. So eight years ago. What am I talking yeah. about 20 years ago? <laughs> Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, which went completely wrong. Yeah. I think uh, Warrior said uh, at one point, uh, Hulk Hogan was his uh, his best match ever and his worst match ever. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's very weird to say, but he's very upfront about it, that the match was terrible. So and, yeah. And the promo on Nitro was meant to have gone five minutes and lasted something like 20 yeah, it's and, not and comfortable overran. to watch. <laughs> no, it's not comfortable to watch. All right, that is Ask Chat GPT. I love that. I love that segment because you never That's know good. what you're going to get. <laughs> uh, and it's completely out there. Uh, right, okay. So what happened in this week in wrestling history, Lee? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. Tell me about it. 
Okay, I will tell you about it. Good link. Uh, well, we're going to kick off to November to Remember 1993. And you might be wondering, well, what the hell? Well, this took place on November the 13th. ECW held their first ever November to Remember live event in Philly. The main event was a winner-take-all match between ECW champion Sabu and Road Warrior Hawk taking on Terry Funk, who was the television champion, and King Kong Bundy. Whichever wrestler got the pin or submission would take both the heavyweight and the TV titles. During the match, Bundy turned on Funk and hit him with the avalanche splash, allowing Sabu to get the win and both titles. Now, this is before pay-per-view. Mm. So this yeah. is still Eastern Championship Wrestling, right? Because it didn't yeah. become... Yeah, it wasn't extreme at this point. And it was, uh, you know, it was in the era where they were just trying to grab any kind of name and put them on a card just so you can, uh, you've got some uh, some draws. But yeah, so it, it seems like such a weird mix knowing what you know now about some of these people. Like Sabu, obviously, still very early early in his career, but some of the stuff he's done. Terry Funk, obviously, um, only four years past um, his classic match with Ric Flair for the NWA Championship. King Kong Bundy, again, uh, not that long away from or, or past his uh, big feud with Hulk Hogan. And then mm. randomly Road Warrior Hawk. I think at, at that stage, uh, uh, Animal was in Japan tagging with Kensuke Sasaki um, yeah. in, in New Japan and, and just left Hawk at a bit of a, uh, a loose end again. Hawk had his own substance problems at the time as well. Um, so a really weird mix there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of worked. And it was only then a couple of years later, you know, Terry Funk's back in WWE is Chainsaw Charlie yep. against Mick Foley. And King Kong Bundy is facing off against The Undertaker at WrestleMania 11. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> Thank you, Todd Gordon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving forward, uh, it was the final Saturday night's main event on November the 14th of 1992. Ed on Fox uh, was broadcast on TV with Shawn Michaels beating the British Bulldog to win his first championship in the WWE. This was the IC title. The yeah. main event of the night saw Papa Shango submit to the Hitman Sharpshooter in the championship match. I mean, this is a Saturday night's main event, which Collision has really modeled itself on. Oh, yeah. It? Because the Coldo promos at the beginning going into the title and then straight into action. And this is one SNME you keep going back to watch because that match between Sean and the Bulldog was a classic. It was great. And again, I think we, when Sean Michaels turned heel, uh, when he put Marty Jannetty through that window, he got sensational Sherry as manager. You knew he was primed for big things and you were just waiting. You know, the next thing for him is surely got to be the Intercontinental title. Um, and uh, yeah, seeing him win it, you know, even though we're British and we're supposed to support the British Bulldog, I think really once Wembley was over and uh, Davey Boy was back in the States, I think his days were numbered really as Intercontinental Champion. He didn't really fit in the USWWF model as, you know, your ideal Intercontinental Champion. So uh, sticking it on, on Michaels was great. Um, and then, of course, this was literally days before Survivor Series where it was supposed to be a champion or just a WWF championship match between Shawn Michaels challenging Bret Hart for the title. And of course, then uh, Michaels comes in as Intercontinental Champion as well. So uh, just two and a bit years after WrestleMania six, Intercontinental Champion versus WWF Champion with Hogan and Warrior. You've now got it again with Bret versus Shawn. And uh, yeah, again, a sign of things to come and the start of their rivalry that kind of culminated 
five short years after that in uh, 1997. And of course, the stipulation for that match was a ladder match. It was the first time the ladder match had been on either TV or pay-per-view at that point. Um, and of course, that was a Sean and Brett original. Concept. Yeah, it that the the match of Survivor Series wasn't actually the ladder match, but uh, Sean and Brett did do a ladder match uh, on a house show, but that one was just a standard um, standard in ring match. There we go. And this is why I'm no longer called the Sorry. King of Wrestling. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. That's all good. That's all good. Uh, but I, if I'm right, and I'm now doubting myself, that Survivor Series was the first pay per view not to have any <clears throat> traditional Survivor Series matches on it. it yeah, because it was tags. Yeah, because you had Warrior and... Well, it was supposed to be Warrior and Savage against uh, Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. Warrior got fired a few days before, so they brought in Mr. Perfect to tag with Randy Savage. I think you're right. I, I've got a weird thing in my head about some sort of two tag teams against two tag teams. Well, like we'll Bushwhackers and... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's not talk <laughs> about Survivor Series now. But yeah, a lot of wrestling to think about. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. But I think it was it was definitely up there. Uh, talking about Survivor Series, though, because it's our last one. It was Survivor Series 98, the Deadly Games tournament took place on November the 15th uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. It didn't feature any traditional Survivor Series matches. Yeah. Maybe this was the one. Uh, instead, the event played host to Deadly Games to crown the new WWF champion. Going into the event, the story depicted Mankind as Vinnie Mac's chosen winner. Uh, as McMahon's gang of lackeys helped him through the rounds while seemingly to attempt to put barriers in the way of The Rock and Steve Austin. However, it would transpire it was an elaborate ruse as The Rock turned out to be Vince's chosen one as he defeated Mankind with the sharpshooter in the main event as Vince McMahon brazenly reenacted the Montreal Screwjob from just one year before. Yeah, and ha would be rehashed multiple times over the years following. Um, yeah, I mean, this was it, it was great. Regardless of the fact that they they used the the Montreal screw job again as a as a finish, it was you know the Rock's heel turn. I mean, the Rock was really starting to pick up heat as a, or, or steam as a, as a face at the time. And again, you were starting to think, well, this is going to be the guy. This is uh, this is the new face of WWE. He's catching up on Austin. He's he's you know people are cheering for him, and then. Yeah, he uh, turn or goes uh, turns heel at the end uh, against mankind, and yeah, it wasn't great. It was um, yeah because of the the sharpshooter finish. But yeah, it, it's a shame the Rock went heel. But again, at that point, again, really launched him up to main event status. But then, of course, three years later at WrestleMania eight seven, uh, Austin went heel in the yeah. match between Austin and the Rock. So it was kind of tickle tat. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, you and I have been around this business for a long time now doing podcasting and, and all that type of thing. A pay-per-view purely on a tournament. Does yeah, it work? It's, um, no, it doesn't, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I mean, and I think that's why we don't see King of the Ring anymore, uh, just, you know, in the traditional format with the one-night tournament. You get, you get bored with seeing the same talent all the time. Uh, you know, someone, you know, if, especially if you're doing sort of quarterfinals, semifinals and, and finals all on the same night, like they used to do with King of the Ring. You know, if The Rock came out in round one, brilliant, amazing. Second time you see him, oh, it's The Rock again. By the time he comes out for the final, whatever, it's The Rock. I don't really care anymore. You've kind of, you know, you want to cheer for, for, for people coming to the ring. But once you, it's the same talent all the time, 
it's uh it doesn't have that same vibe so by the time you get to the final which should be the highlight of the whole thing the crowd doesn't really care anymore and also i suppose if you think about you know the rock and austin being on pay-per-view and they both get through to the final yeah yeah uh, yeah i just thinking because I, I can't remember it happening take king of the ring out of it yeah i can't remember it happening too many times i mean it was wrestlemania 4 yeah 88 yeah for the for the world championship of course macho man beat dibiase became world champion yeah uh, thanks to hulkster and then survivor series 98 i can't think of any others to be perfectly honest i mean you had like the cruiserweight classic but again that wasn't on one night they spread it out over mm. uh over different um different events and uh different shows but yeah, this is, I mean, again, I, I know it's been said multiple times and people from WWE have said or have been asked why you don't do tournaments anymore. And it is that for that very reason, it's just too hard on the on the crowd and the crowd just, you know, they, they lose interest. They could have turned it into a 10 year tradition. 1988, yeah. 1998. They could have done one in 2008, 2018. And then we're due for one in another five years. Oh, great. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully I won't be doing this at that point. <laughs> As in talking about professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's that's this week in wrestling history. That is this week's squared circle. Love it. Love it. That's been that's good. Been I've enjoyed that. It's been great having you back on the air. It's been nice being back on the air and especially talking about wrestling as well, because I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I know. I know. So when are you coming back? When you when are you back on? When do you want to come back on? Uh whenever you want me. I'll see if I'm available and I'm sure I can make some time. Not a problem. Awesome. Okay, so we will get that in the books. We are, we are, of course, talking about the top 10 Survivor Series matches. We will get Lee on for that. This Saturday is AEW Full Gear live on pay-per-view in the US or on Fight over here in the UK. Very quickly, um, who's going to win? MJF or Switchblade Jay White? It's going to be a great match, but MJF's got to walk out. Uh, MJF is so good. He is just so good. And um, Jay White, he is uh, a phenomenal performer, a a phenomenal in-ring performer, but I can't see him as AEW champion. Uh, MJF right now for AEW is where the title should be. Um, And I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I'm not sure what the latest is on Adam Cole or how long he's going to be out, but I reckon uh, MJF is holding on to that belt until Adam Cole comes back. Oh, okay. Well, that's not. He is already the longest reigning AEW World Champion yeah. in history. Beat. Uh, can he... Are they going for a Roman Reigns record? Yeah, yeah, potentially. Potentially. I wonder if Adam Cole's injury is as bad as what everybody's making out, and the Devil Mask is Adam Cole. That could be good. Yes. Yeah. 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 That could work. You know, that long-awaited heel turn. Yeah, it will happen at some point. It will happen at some point. <laughs> Although it still feels weird with MJF being a sort of kind of face but he's still a bit of a dick and yeah i don't know it's weird <laughs> that's why we all like him that's why we like the better the devil you know true true uh it's gonna be good lee thank you so much for coming on it's been brilliant having you back on the square circle going back down with the retro intro uh it's been awesome being here and seeing what we do we'll get you back on in a couple of weeks uh when is pirate cast back when are you when are you and ben doing another show at this stage, we haven't really discussed it yet, but we're looking at 2024. Um, again, some changes to it. We're looking, or I'm at the moment, got some some plans in place to make it a bit more regular and uh, some different angles on things. So, uh, yeah, uh, Mike, well, next time I come on for Survive Season, I might have a few more updates. Amazing. 
can't wait to do it and you can check out pirate cast on youtube click on the link on our youtube channel and it will take you straight through or search for pirate cast and if anybody has got a copy of that bobby heenan interview from tsc archives please i've only asked for the last <laughs> 12 years send it across <laughs> you never know you never know uh and also uh, we didn't say this at the top of the show, but congratulations go to you and to your lovely fiance. Uh, got engaged a couple of weeks ago. So many, many congratulations from all of us here, from well, me and my wife and my little and Sam and everybody else. Thank you very much indeed. Yes, um, happened in the middle of the North Atlantic, not on a like Titanic with like on a door or anything, actually on a cruise ship. So yeah. It was uh, it was awesome. It's been a long time coming, and uh, yeah, we did it. So thank you very much. <laughs> oh, congratulations! It was good to know there was no icebergs around when you yeah you, when you weren't on the SS Titanic. That was <laughs> always a good win. Uh, right, we're going to be back next week with more of the Squared Circle. Until then, stay tuned. In fact, I will be back later this week with a very quick full gear preview, uh, and I'll give you the predictions for both Sam and I and Lee, if he fancies letting us know what his predictions are. And we will do those this week. Uh, back next week with more TSC. Lee will be back either next week or in a couple of weeks to talk Top Sim Survivor Series. Mike McGuire is going to be coming on the show from McGuire on Wrestling. And Joel Ross uh, is also going to be coming on, uh, formerly of WrestleTalk TV, uh, now works for big commercial uh, stations here in the UK. Joel will be coming on to talk classic retro wrestling. So maybe wow. we'll do a three-way uh, and we'll talk about maybe Survivor Series 1990. Oh, Ooh, yes. Nice. Love that. We'll do that. <laughs> we'll get that in the book. So that's coming up over the next couple of weeks. Until then, uh, I'm Andy Evans. That is the man who tells it like it is, Lee Tyres. And we will see you next week right here. See you at the matches. Where's the intro? There it is. <laughs> see you very soon. Take care for now.